Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. I thank you for joining me. I'm delighted that you chose to listen. God bless you, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you as we look into another episode of our Beauty of Grace series. Today we're going to discuss in Lesson 35, The Currency of Grace. In the last episode, we talked about God's desire for fruit that remains, the kind of fruit that is of eternal value and remains after the fire of testing at the Bema Seat Judgment. So how do we have that kind of fruit? How to have fruit that remains? What does this even mean? Today, we want to look at this topic by exploring the currency of grace to understand more about how this is done and what it means. The word currency, the reason I chose it, is because it refers to a system of standardization of money to be used in exchange in business and in other transactions as well. So it's talking about one thing that exchanges for another. For instance, simple example, you want groceries. You go to the store, to a grocery store, you put everything you want in your cart, you come up to the cashier at the checkout line, she adds it all up, tells you what you owe, you give her money, and then guess what? You've then exchanged that money for the groceries that you wanted and needed. So she takes the money, you take the groceries, and you leave the store and go home. So it's a system of exchange in service and business. It refers to a generally accepted system of exchange for goods or services within a community or common market or a common environment. It's a system of money in use in a common environment or country and also is used for investment. In an investment, you're still exchanging, but what you're doing is you're exchanging it for the hope and intent of future rewards. You don't necessarily leave there that day with the reward that you hope to leave with later on. You've then placed it with a fiduciary or a trustee. You've placed it in a deposit account of some kind, retirement account, 401k, IRA, whatever it is, in order for you to later exchange it for rewards, for something that has grown, or for the security of knowing it's in a type of deposit that you believe to be safe and will hold it for you and perhaps let it grow. Then later, you want to use it for retirement, you want to use it for educational purposes, etc. Grace also has a currency. Grace involves a currency in exchange. The currency of grace involves an investment. We're not talking about cash or earthly wealth or riches. We're not talking about goods that you can tangibly buy. You can collect all of those that you want in this life. You can amass them all in a great big old barn out back. You can amass wealth in all kinds of accounts all over the world. You can become a millionaire, billionaire. You can collect all you want, but not one penny of it will go with you. 
Not one cent of it. Not one of the goods that you've stored up will go with you. There is no such thing as a hearse with a trailer hitch on it. It just doesn't happen. In Psalm chapter 49, the author writes these words, Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly and it shall cease forever that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. In other words, in these passages, God is saying, however much money you could accumulate in all the world, it ain't enough to redeem another human being. You can't do it. You cannot pay God the ransom that must be paid to redeem another. There's only one who could do that, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who did it with his own blood. Continuing in the reading, in verse 10, for he sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings, Selah. Like sheep they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. So the scriptures teach us there's no such thing as a hearse with a trailer hitch. It's not going to happen. You're not going to carry one cent of anything you amass with you to heaven. However, you can send it on ahead and we're going to talk about that in detail in this episode. We're not talking about material wealth, but we're talking about true riches. You can send those on ahead. Jesus spoke of true riches. So what are they? What kind of investments should we be making for eternal rewards, for eternal value? First, we've got to understand the concept of stewardship. We are entrusted with true riches as stewards. Paul spoke of this in his epistles when he said things like, we are stewards and we are serving the Lord as stewards. We are ministering our gifts as stewards. We've been entrusted with these and we will give an account for it. As a matter of fact, the next thing we must understand is that all stewards must take their stewardship seriously because they will give account for it one day of every little thing that's been entrusted to them. Jesus gives us an example to prove this point. In Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, it says this, He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was 
wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the point here that Jesus is stressing is faithfulness in stewardship and choosing to serve the Lord, not being after material wealth. We need to live for the honor of our master, being faithful with what he's entrusted to us. Every one of us have been entrusted with certain things. We've been entrusted with time. Every one of us has an allotted time that we will be on this earth. The Bible speaks of that. Moses speaks of it in Psalm 90, for instance. And I want us to read Ephesians 5.15 so we know what God expects us to be doing with the time that he's entrusted to us. Ephesians 5.15 says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. That word redeeming the time is talking about to rescue it from loss or misapplication. It's evaluating the time that we have and scrutinizing it and saying, wait a minute, am I using my time wisely? Am I wasting my time? And if I am, I need to redeem it back. I need to stop wasting my time. Am I on the TV way too many hours of a day? Am I on computer games, video games? Am I out playing games or going and doing recreation too much? How much time am I spending in God's Word? Especially compared to doing other things that I like to do. Now, all of us have a certain amount of time. We all have 24 hours in every day. We all have the same amount in the sense of 
a daily allotment. We don't know when the time of our death will come, but we do know that we're given an allotment of time while we're here and we need to use it wisely. We need to scrutinize it. We need to use it for what God gave it to us for, and that's for eternal purposes. And when we do have a Sabbath day of rest, that we truly rest and get refreshed from the Lord for the next week ahead. We're all given an allotment of time that's been entrusted to us, and we need to redeem that time. We're all given an allotment of talents, gifts, and callings that God has put in us for serving the Lord in whatever capacity that is. There was a time when my service to the Lord was in the tax business to my clients. And I would get to pray with many. I would get to pour into their lives in different ways. But that was my talent at that time. God is the one that gave me that business mind and those skills. Now I'm using my full-time time that's been allotted, the whatever remains of it, until the Lord calls me home to invest the Word of God in you and in others to help make disciples and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the very best of my ability. And I try to do that as faithfully as I know how and as devotedly as I know how. We're all given an allotment of treasures. Some may be more, some may be less. Some of that may depend on how we've spent and used the smaller amounts God entrusted to us and whether he could trust us with more. But we're talking here about funds or monies or even things that we can use to invest in God's kingdom by supporting ministries that are true to the Lord and are seeking to honor him and spread his gospel and do the work of the kingdom, blessing others in service, even leaving a legacy in our home and in others that we might have influence over. So God has given us already an allotment of time, talents, and treasures. He's entrusted those to us as stewards. May we be found faithful. What God looks for is faithfulness in use, service, operation, and in investing properly. Not in material things, not in silver and gold and other things like that, coins or IRAs or 401ks or any of those kinds of things. There may be wisdom in those things for your provision for now and for future needs. But we're not talking about material wealth. That is not investing in eternal value in the kingdom of God and what will transfer and be able to be exchanged as the currency of grace. We're talking about eternal investments. The only investments that will transfer from earth to heaven, not one ounce of gold. God already has all the gold he needs and he uses it as asphalt. He's already got all the ivory he needs. He's already got all the wealth he needs. He owns it all to begin with. So we're not talking about material things, but we're talking about the one investment that will transfer from earth to heaven. And that, beloved friend, is the souls of people. It's people. And we do this, we invest in them in eternal ways by serving the Lord, 
by serving his body and by spreading the gospel and making disciples, committing ourselves to the work of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is telling us here how we do this. We do it by investing in what will transfer, what will be exchanged from earth to heaven, investing in people. And we do it by investing in people for the Lord, serving him and concentrating on leaving a legacy of faith behind us. This year in Mother's Day and in Father's Day for my messages, my special messages, I was impressed to focus on legacy building. And I did that in my motherhood message, and I also did that in the message speaking of ASAP for those two special occasion celebrations. We need to concentrate on leaving a legacy of faith behind us. So what do we invest in people? We invest the true riches the things that are of eternal value, as we just read here in Matthew chapter 6. That which is for the purpose of helping them make it to heaven through the promotion and spreading of the gospel, for instance, and those that will promote their growth to be mature in Christ Jesus as a full-grown disciple when they get there. I'm going to read a few scriptures on this point here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, Paul is writing and he says this, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul is expressing here, My greatest joy, my greatest desire when I get there is to see you there and being mature in Christ as a full-grown, strong, mature disciple. That's my desire. That's my wish for you. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, we're going to read into chapter 4, verse 1. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. So here we see Paul expressing that same desire that he has burning within him. Then we see Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, 
Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here, Peter also is expressing his desire that we grow to maturity. And then in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning verse 12 through chapter 6, verse 3. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So the author of Hebrews is also desiring that we grow to maturity and be able to partake of the solid food of the word. We desire the milk when we're first babies in the Lord, but then we grow to a point of maturity where we can eat solid food. So we need to be investing in them what will help them make it to heaven and what will help them mature as a disciple. Also that which will prepare them for heaven. I want to read Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So Peter is expressing here to prepare for heaven, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus through the work and power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. We need to be investing in others that which will prompt them on their journey. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 6, who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. So we're to prompt them by sending them on their own journey in a manner that is worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we need to push forward and prompt others to lay aside the things that hinder them and run their race with endurance. 
and we need to invest in others that which will pay off in heaven. In Colossians chapter 3, I want to read verses 23 and 24, and it says this, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Paul is telling the church at Colossae, serve the Lord in whatever way you do. Know that you are serving the Lord and he will reward you. It will pay off in heaven when you invest in people of eternal value. Paul writes this also in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Remember, God is a rewarder. Hebrews eleven six talks about the faith that we must have, and we have to believe. True faith, biblical faith, is believing that God is, He exists, He hears us, He cares, He's living, and that He is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek Him. Jesus also spoke many times about rewards that will be granted. So in the practical realm, we can invest in people in all of these ways we've discussed, through prayer and intercession, through the Word of God, sowing the seed of the Word of God in them, as Galatians 6 speaks about. It talks about whatever you sow is what you will reap. There'll be a harvest to come if we will not grow weary in well-doing, investing in them the Word of God that is able to save their soul and that is profitable, as Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Profitable for doctrine, for rebuke, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, to make us thoroughly equipped for every good work. We invest in them practically by building relationships and friendships with people, bringing encouragement, edification, and help to them, sharing in their burdens, serving together as a team, serving together, being a role model also by walking in a manner and living our own lives in a manner worthy of God, and then by investing in them for eternal purposes and for leaving a legacy of faith. The parables of the talents and the minus also stress this to us. So let's use the currency of grace for eternal purposes, not for our own selfish rewards, but for God's glory. Matthew 5.16 tells us that we are to let our light so shine before men so that they will see our good works and glorify God, our Father. It's not about us, it's about Him. And we are simply called and entrusted to invest in others with the currency of grace. And when we will do this, we can look forward to that coming day at the Bema Seat and beyond when it will all be worth it in the end. I'd like to close us out by reading two final scriptures, both of them found in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 14, I want to read verses 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, 
Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Remember I said earlier, there's no such thing as a hearse with a trailer hitch, but you can send it on ahead because your works follow you. They are of eternal value when you do them as unto the Lord and you are investing the currency of grace into people's lives for eternal purposes for the kingdom of God's sake. And the last scripture I want to read today is Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Eternity will record and remember the righteous acts of the saints because their works follow them. They sent it on ahead. They invested in eternal things with the currency of grace that had been entrusted to them. May we do the same. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us again for more episodes in our Beauty of Grace series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.